Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, and iHeartRadio, the biggest platform on radio, as well as Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 290 in the house. We are going to be talking WFA offseason news and notes with Dallas Elite owner Lynn Liberty Ellington. She'll be coming in here in about 15 minutes to kind of chat about the WFA offseason 2020, uh, what we're going to expect for the WFA in the next spring. And then we're going to dive into uh, the NFL in about 30 minutes here with Luis Bean, talk a little bit of NFL, continue to, to talk college football and NFL at the top of the hour with Mackenzie Brooks. And then at uh, about an hour and a half from now, we will be talking Legends Cup, uh, 2019 Legends Cup with Nate Ward, our LFL insider. So a big two hours jam-packed of the Gridiron Blitz today. We're kind of excited to see that. And then we have international news and notes action from New South Wales in uh, Gridiron New South Wales, Gridiron Australia as well, the kickoff in Czechoslovakia uh, for the Czech Republic as well. Uh, Warsaw uh, Sirens actually join the Czech League. So it's pretty exciting news. Uh, If you get anything that you missed or don't know anything what's going on and what I'm talking about, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Get up to date there every week, uh, daily updates plus weekly updates, stories, photos, everything that you need to know about what's happening in the women's game. You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. I want to appreciate and thank everybody for making us one of the best resources out there for women's American football. And I uh, really appreciate all the direct messages to me as well. I really appreciate you guys networking with me. We have the best network on the planet. I'm happy to say that. I'm very proud. Uh, over nine years of laboring, and now we have the best network on the planet bringing you inside news, insights, articles, uh, photography, videos, you name it. Uh, we have the best network that's covering coast to coast, wall to wall, continent to continent, from uh, Australia, Europe, and North America, including South America now. So uh, all global, and really, really proud of that. So go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. Uh, check out our special, um, if you're playing NFL, uh, if you want to play FanDuel, I don't know if you play DraftKings or FanDuel, if you, get, if you do play that, uh, we have 15 bucks to give you. If you want to go to the FanDuel offer, $15 on us. Sign up for FanDuel, get your first $15 off, and you can play NFL weekly. Win some prizes, win some cash, free, uh, free plays, everything else. So go to the hub and link up the FanDuel link. It's $15 that you would get to play and set up on FanDuel. So check it out. Uh, you also go to the shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You get 15% off anything at the shop, leggings, hoodies, and everything else. So you can always get whatever you want on there. Uh, all our stuff is pretty much always on discount, 15% up to 25% off, even 50% off on certain weeks. So check out Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Take advantage of the sales, support the cause, the awareness project that we've set in place for almost six years now. So check it out and go there. 
and you can sport some of the stuff that our no joke football athletes are sporting like michelle marshall anna garza uh smooth laura jones as well as sasha cruz and many others so check it out and get your own gear and spotlight it out there this week we're happy to announce we're going to be having lexi demio coming up here uh, as a no joke football athlete last week we announced obviously stacy jackman also no joke football athlete so you got athletes coming up uh, basically bringing them up the awareness to the sport in different levels of football from every branch of women's American football. So we're really excited about that. NFL week one, um, sort of surprises here, a little bit of surprises. My Rams, uh, I was on the edge there. Uh, they did get the win 30 to 27 as we get there uh, this week. So week one, everybody was on the brink here. If you're playing fantasy football, uh, you were probably in that same boat too, trying to figure out who you're going to, who you're going to start who's going to play well, who's going to get touches, uh, everything else. As we go forward this week and next week, we'll start uh, diving into uh, fantasy football as well. We'll get some insiders in here to go some dibs as to as we get week in, week out, who to play, who to start, who not to start. So we're going to try to get that going here in, uh, within the next couple of weeks. As we get into the about the fourth week of the season, really structured to figure out who you're going to put up, who you picked up, who you didn't, who you bench, who don't. Uh, if you're playing uh, – a daily fantasy sports, it's not so bad because you're picking whoever you want on a salary cap. But if you're playing fantasy football and it's a rigid team and you got a salary cap, yeah, it makes a big difference week to week as to who you drop, who you pick up, and who you uh, activate. So we're going to get to kind of talk about that as we go forward here. So the Rams did squeeze out a 30-27 to 27 win versus the Panthers. Seattle really impressive early on, um, but then they kind of – Cincinnati came on. So one of the – one of the big games, uh, 21-20, it was really, uh, really good between a uh, back and forth the entire afternoon. Uh, Seattle d- does hold on to the fourth quarter lead, just enough to get uh, the win. Uh, they did get uh, Clowney in to play on defense, so much, not much of a defensive maker or difference yet, but we'll see when it turns out in week two as, we, as the coming weeks come around. So Seattle does get the win. L.A. gets the win. NFC West right there, top two teams. San Francisco does surprise. Uh, they get its first road win of the season. They didn't get one all last season, so Holly's pretty excited that the Niners are obviously in the win column. They were 0-12 on the East Coast in their last 12, so that's impressive that they got one. Uh, Winston was picked off three times, uh, and so there's issues there in Tampa Bay with the Arians uh, era beginning. We'll see how they rebound in week two, but it, it didn't look very good. So San Francisco does get the win, 31 to 17, and it was an impressive win for them. We'll see what the Garofalo era will do in terms of coming up here in the next uh, week or two, because they're they're going to have to start facing some stiff competition as well. Cardinals 27 to 27 is a big tie. So the Cardinals offense, even with Murray, looked unprepared, unfocused, and just well, pretty bad at the beginning. Uh, Detroit led by 18 at the beginning, but the Cardinals did go into high gear and outscored the Lions 18-3 to to force the overtime. And so we do get a tie. It's kind of rare in the NFL to get ties, but we did get the ties. Um, the other game that I was uh, kind of impressed with, everybody was hyped up to bring in Cleveland here. And Cleveland was supposed to be this fan- all-fantasy team with all these weapons, and the Browns uh, were hyped the entire offseason. So they opened the regular season with a 30-point dud, which is the most Cleveland has ever done. 
The Browns were down just six points at half, by the way. And then the Titans, however, they were the ones who showed everyone that they deserve some attention. So Mariota had three touchdowns. Uh, Henry had 84 yards on the ground and 75-yard touchdown catch. And then Walker had two touchdown catches as well. So uh, the Titans really out kind of spotlighted the Browns in a way where you would think, okay, they could have came out better, uh, and they did not. Mayfield didn't look great. And so all these weapons in the offseason, so the Browns have a lot to work to do, kind of prove and see what they're going to do. But uh, Mayfield did manage to get the ball to Beckham seven times for 71 yards, but the only scoring came from uh, uh, Nyoku. So there was an issue there. So Browns, week one, we're talking about what they're going to do. We'll see if they fall to 0-2 or 0-3. If they go to 0-2, 0-3, then we got issues. And obviously we're going to be keeping – they're the focus for this year. They were supposed to be this huge, you know, good team right off the bat. Uh, off the bat. But Tennessee approved them otherwise, of course. Uh, the Raven game was really impressive. Uh, Ravens embarrassed Miami totally. Uh, and obviously Miami, the Miami players uh, came out because of, apparently there's no Fritz magic. <laughs> it's non-existent. And so the Miami players are literally uh, jumping ship. Uh, if they could have played for the Ravens, I guess, in that game, they probably would have played for the Ravens, which they probably did because of the way the outcome was. Um, 59 to 10, an embarrassing first, uh, first week out for the Dolphins. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw for 324 yards, five touchdowns, while completing 17 of 20, which shows you that there was no defense on the other side of the ball. Ingram rushed for a team-high 107 and two touchdowns. Uh, Miami's running back, Drake, led the team with 12 rushing yards. Uh, that's not good. That's not good in peewee. It's not good in any form of football, and that's not good. Uh, the Ravens scored a touchdown after recovering a muff punt, and then they set up a touchdown after executing a fake punt. So special teams were really uh, the key for the Ravens, and they played really, really well in, in that aspect of it. So uh, come the key games here, the NFC East was really I'm, – I'm, I, I wish Troy was here today, but he's not. Uh, the Eagles uh, edge Washington 32-27. We were questioning about uh, Carson Wentz and how he's going to come out. So the Eagles were down by 17 and managed to come back by scoring 25 unanswered in the second half. Uh, Wentz did throw two touchdowns, a total of three. And uh, Jeffries and Sproles scored a rushing touchdown and two-point conversion, respectively. So the Eagles, you know, they, they obviously had to get the win. The Foles here is out. Uh, and speaking of Nick Foles, you know, obviously he's out completely. But uh, this is what they wanted to start. So uh, former uh, Ram. Keenum threw for 380 with three touchdowns. So Washington respectable in that sense. They just didn't weren't able to make enough plays basically to get the win. But it was a tough NFC East battle there. Los Angeles 30 to 24. The Chargers screwed up a two possession lead and allowed the Colts to force overtime. And so uh, Brissett to Hilton, which tied the game at 24. And then the Colts defense couldn't stop Rivers and Eckler. Eckler were just a beast on this game of week one. So Rivers threw three consecutive passes for nearly 20 yards, and Eckler ran for 22 yards to help the Chargers down to the seven-yard line, which finished up the drive with an inside run. So this is really what it boils down to. Uh, this is a reminder of how the overtime rules really stink in the NFL. 
I think these rules need to be changed. Figure out maybe college. The college rules will be great. Uh, the rest of the scores uh, we'll dive into uh, with Mackenzie at up in, in about half hour. I mean with Louise. And then we'll kind of go into detail with Mackenzie in terms of college football. We'll dive into, like I said, Nate Ward in about an hour and a half. Uh, but the rest of it, I mean, New England keeps rolling. What an embarrassing loss by Pittsburgh. And then the bombshell news of Antonio Brown uh, released by the Raiders going to New England. The how it would be restructured. Um, I don't know if anybody heard the interview by Belichick on, on Boston radio, but he didn't seem anything different. He's like, this is just another player, another talented player on our team, and that's what we're going with. So they didn't elevate Antonio Brown like the Raiders did, where it's going to be a key guy to go to. And so Belichick's just, hey, I just got another talented player. That's all I'm working with, and that's what we're headed for. So uh, Pittsburgh, kind of just an embarrassing display of football. I don't know what happened there, but very embarrassing. They don't have LaBelle, who's in New York. They lose Brown, which obviously in the Raiders and now the Patriots. And so their start is pretty bad. Only a field goal, not going to work it. Dallas did play well against the Giants. Very impressive with Cooper and Prescott. So we'll talk to McKenzie about that. She's going to be very happy about that. The Chiefs just roll 40-26 to 26 against the Jaguars. What an impressive outing there for Mahomes. And that was a great, great outing. Uh, the the only bad thing, ja- Jacksonville, obviously, he broke his left, uh, Nick Foles broke his left clavicle and will be out until week 10. So that right there puts a damper on the Jaguars. Um, so we'll recap, like I said, the NFL uh, in about 30 minutes with Luis Bean. Then we'll dive into college football and a little bit of the NFL as well uh, with McKenzie at the top of the hour. And then we're going to get Nate Ward at the bottom of the hour. So we'll, we'll go into detail in terms of the NFL and college football in terms of what uh, happens this past weekend. So let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And you can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, get up to 15% off, get the legendary shirt, the shirt that started it all, which is the No Joke Football Silver and Black shirt. And that is what your game is. And that's what women play on the American football stage. And their, their game play is no joke. So get the shirt, express your boldness at No Joke Football shirt. At 15% off, go to Zazzle.com forward slash create iron beauties. So let's go into the uh, huddle and let's go talk some WFA 2020 with uh, the talented Lynn Liberty Ellington of the Dallas Elite. Hi, Lynn. How you doing? Hi, Oscar. How's it going tonight? I'm going good. I'm just talking NFL because I'm hyped. My Rams won. So we're in good spirits right here for week two. So can't get any better than that. Yeah. Yep, I understand. Yeah, I uh, watched the show, the the Steelers, with my husband, and um, our house is a little depressed all week long after the Steelers lose because I don't know what happened there, Lynn. I mean, they just they they seem like they got a lot of talent. It just I don't know what happened. They just they down they didn't play very well, and I don't yeah, know if it was yeah exactly, and it just looked bad. And to get a field goal out of it in week one, uh, that's almost like preseason mode, and it looked like they weren't ready. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But All right, Lynn. Anyway, um, it's, it's, a, it's good for me because uh, I don't like the Steelers, so. <laughs> I just get to laugh at my husband all week long. <laughs> Mr. Ellington, 
I believe I saw the video where you put him on, and he was not a very uh, happy camper. He was more grumpy than anything. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets embarrassed, but it's okay. He'll live. Yeah. Well, what's your team, Lynn? Uh, the Cowboys. I've been, well, I've of been course it's the Cowboys. <laughs> of course you can rub it in. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Prescott played well. <laughs> Most seasons uh, Prescott I can't. Played well. Most seasons played I well. can't rub it in. <laughs> Well, I, I, but I'm, I'm it's uh, I've said the Cowboys played well for the first week out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Prescott's good. Cooper, we already knew Cooper had potential if you use him in the right scheme, and I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Most most seasons, I um, am not more happy than Mr. Ellington. So hopefully, this is my season. Yeah, it'll be your season. You can you can stamp it now. It'll be your season. So, I know yeah, he, uh, and I know he's listening to me. So uh, sorry, Mr. Ellington, but uh, just seems like the Cowboys. It's going to be this Cowboys season. I well, I think so. So it, does, it, it doesn't matter, Lynn, because because you're running you're running the household anyway. So you're the queen. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It, uh, you must um, have been to my home sometime. <laughs> uh, no, I know I know how that works. I know how it works. I'm a wise man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll uh, tell you, Lynn, the, um, we're getting ready for, let's see, um, we're getting ready for the WFA owners meeting um, mm-hmm. two weeks. So um, a lot of things coming up, um, you know, setting the agenda for that. Um, of course, you know, Wynn and Lisa and all, all those ladies um, work on that. And, um, yeah, we're getting ready for that. We're excited about uh, 2020. And uh, some changes coming up, and, um, you know, we, we kind of take – well, I'm not part of the board of directors. They kind of come up with what we're going to talk about, what, what's going to be voted on, and, um, you know, we go from there. We kind of take in what the um, teams uh, want to do, any shifts that they want to make, any changes, and, and we kind of put that into perspective and see if it's uh, something that's good for the whole league. You know, a lot of times you have – people voicing their opinions about, oh, well, this is the best way to do it because it's the best way for their team. Um, from a league standpoint, you have to look at it, what's best for an entire league, you know, 60-plus teams. So um, that's that's what goes into um, this uh, owner's meeting. Um, it's going to be the 21st and 22nd in Chicago. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. And um, we get to go have some of the best pizza in the country. So. Mm-hmm. Lynn, um, a lot of changes in the WFA, right? Uh, new teams come in. We got old ship new uh, teams uh, kind of abandoned. Every offseason is is the same. You know, certain teams shift to different leagues. Other teams, you know, migrate to the WFA. Um, now this year we have, you know, yourselves, the WNFC, and then we have, you know, a couple new leagues springing up as well to try to, you know, correct more things to the puzzle. Um, we try to focus right. on the two top leagues, which is yourselves and the WNFC right now. But uh, in, in terms of the new structure, everybody is sort of like uh, wondering, okay, what's going to happen to the structure? Is Are we still keeping the tiers? There's a lot of questions in terms of, you know, Kansas City just decided to cease and desist after so long as mm-hmm. being a staple in the league. Um, so that's, a, you know, that puts a damper in terms of the Division One on the on the West Coast, in other words. 
because uh, we all know Division mm-hmm. One is usually a very stronghold on the East Coast, as always with Boston and D.C. as the playmakers. Uh, but do you think at this point the Texas swing, you got yourselves, you got the, the um, energy, you got um, Austin, um, you even had Arlington much improved last year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, so there was a bunch of stuff in there, a bunch of questions. So, so yes, the WFA, you know, is looking at some different alternatives. I, you know, a lot of people don't realize that way back when, I guess it was probably about, I don't know, eight years ago, we didn't have tiers. Um, and everybody mm-hmm. moaned and groaned because a team that was a year old was playing a team that was 20 years old. And, um, it mattered more then because, you know, these were powerhouse organizations. But you're absolutely right that, you know, you can have a team that is just awesome one year and can totally be hurting the next year. Um, that's the way women's football has been for a long time. And so um, tier one, tier two, tier three, um, it's hard to tell whether a team's going to be tier one for the next five years or tier two for the next five years. Now, the, you know, the structure of the tiers is, you know, everybody has their opinion about the tiers. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do away with the tiers, if we're going to go down to two tiers, or if we're going to keep three tiers. I do know that there's a lot of teams that are shifting tiers um, just because they've either met new goals or um, taken on different approaches. Um, so I know that there's going to be a change in some of the teams going to different tiers. I don't know at this point if that equalizes the tiers in any way. Um, And I know, you know, that's not going to make everybody happy either. Um, You know, to say which teams are going where, I I don't know. Um, But um, as director of team development, my husband and I work with um, developing the teams, especially tier three and then um, many of the Tier 2 teams that want assistance and help and guidance. Um, and so, for example, the last two weeks, um, we talked to nine teams potentially coming into the WFA. Um, so, again, you know, a lot of team changes, a lot of number changes. So every year is different uh, for all the teams and all the leagues. Um, you're right, we have the WFA the WFNC, the US WFL, and then I guess there's one, the WFLA. Is that that's another one that that's come out this year? Um, it seems like they're, you know, I started out when it was the WNFA or NWFA. All the all the damn sorry, all the different letters. I don't know, but it was the NWFA, and then we had the IWFL, and they're both gone now. So. Um, Hopefully at some point um, some leagues can work together and, and it can become one great thing. You never know. Well, the only thing we have is it's, it's always, a, it's always a, the issue. I've been covering it for nine years, so it's always been that. You know, the offseason breaks off. Somebody feels that they could do something better, so they branch out and create their own branding. Um, you know, it's just, a, it's just one of these cycles, you know, that – people get into you would think that if you already have an established branding you would think that the conversation should be how to make that stronger and, and better and more efficient and everything else but you know it's it's individuals that decide for themselves as to what road they want to take and they figure this is the best route and we all know it's going to be a travel issue in, in any league 
if, if you don't have, you know, proximity in certain regions of the country, you're still going to have that, yeah. that hurdle of, of travel. And that's one of the burdens of the sport anyway. So I don't understand how people can say, okay, well, let's just not be, let's just not stay in the WFA, right? You got 60 teams. Proximity is obviously better. That means lesser cost. But then you turn around and you go like, I'm just going to branch out. I'm going to make my own league. And then you, you start seeing all these leagues with, okay, there's two teams on the East Coast, two teams on the Midwest, and two teams on the East, on the West. And, you know, to, to mm-hmm. claim that you're nationwide is absurd. That's, what, that's the thing I always say. It's, it's absurd. To claim you're nationwide because you have six teams stretched out over the, the, the country, you're really just hurting mm-hmm. those individual players uh, on, in terms of cost because they're the ones that have to pony up that money unless the organization is right. somehow paying for the travel, which they're not. So I don't understand right. how right. you can sit there and say, well, I, you know, the WFA is not for me and the WNFC is not for me, but uh, I'm going to create my own league and I'm just going to start 12 teams and they're going to be a spread out everywhere. I'm like, okay, well, uh, you got to have a lot of money then, I guess, if you're bold enough to start your own league. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that WFLA. I know that's one league, but I think there's also a fifth league starting over LA area, if I'm not mistaken. I, it's just math. People are not looking at the numbers, you know, when they sit down right. and do this. I looked, I looked at the one league. Um, and they have a they have a team in Detroit, they have a team in Florida, they have a team right. in North Carolina, and I'm just it's it's all due respect. Lynn, it's Lynn, not, let me just say something. You you have been uh, you have been a visionary. You've been here since the Lone Stars Mustang since 2009, right? So to for you yeah. to sit there and to see that it, it's it's laughable. I mean that's what it is. It's laughable. To think that you're going to be able to just – and half of those teams, I don't want to – I'll go ahead and do it anyways. But anyways, right, half right. of those teams that you're talking about have not even completed a full season in the existing league they were in before. They were forfeits, a lot of forfeits. So if right. you're going to do forfeits uh, in your league, and that's a consistent or franchise that has forfeits, that, that's a roster issue. That's an organization administrative issue. So why even go that route? Now you decided that you're going to a new league. The span of travel is even greater than it was before. And even, even when it wasn't, you couldn't even make the game or you couldn't supplement the schedule for the, for the full schedule. So, I mean, I, I don't understand where the, how you're going to break even or how you're going to make money. Or you're not, I guess you're not in for the money or only one person's in for money. Whoever's taking in the money, I guess, right. at the top of the league. Right, and that's one of the reasons I, I get so super frustrated on the um, posts and everything, how they say that, you know, we're all here for the same reason. And we're not. We're not all here for no. the same reason. And, and I you agree. can tell that in the differences, right? So um, yep. a team that does that, and, you know, I, I commend a team for trying. And what I try to do um, in the WFA is um, reach out to the team and um, – I call it, you know, pre-planning. Um, I try to get mm-hmm. them started, and I feel like that this year, this was the first year that we did it, and I felt like we did uh, a huge um, thing in getting the numbers up in most of the teams. Um, it, and um, I actually just put an article out earlier this week about the numbers. You know, if you only – if you start with 20 players or you start with 25 players, um, you're not going to make it. Right. You've already you've already ended your season. 
uh, and you've done the not only your team a disservice, but your league a disservice and the community. Yep. Because when they come out and you have 16 people on the sidelines, and the other team maybe has you know even you know even the other team might have 25, but they might have 40, and you have to end a game at the end of the first quarter or the half. First of all, all those people want their money back, and they don't sure. want to come to the next game. And that's why I'm saying it's like it yeah. hurts the branding. You know, it, that's why I don't think any – the ownerships don't understand that. Why would you start a season when you know you can't sustain at least a 40-man roster? A 40-man roster is at least a minimum because even if you lose 10 players within the season, you still have at least a 20-30-man to 30, 20, 30-man roster, and that's still ideal to finish the season. But when you don't even have that, that's just, it's just it, – I mean, it's ridiculous to even think, I'm putting in money that you're not going to be profitable. Why would you do that when you can, you know, like you've talked about before, you know, build, build the team with rostering first to get interest and build a team with that. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do it, right? You can do flag football tournaments. You can do flag football interest. You can do a lot of things before you launch into a league. You can do some community based things like with flag football, just to see where people are in terms of interest, interest on it before you launch the whole thing. But I think it's just a lot of a lot of owners don't see this uh, in a way that like yourself or other owners that have been in place for other seasons, uh, you know, many seasons, they don't understand, you know, what the hurdles are. And they just think it's just going to be no big deal because it really hurts the WFA brand when, like you said, they can't finish a game that hurts the brand. Now, they're, they, it's not only hurting the team in that community, it hurts the brand as a label because you want to be able to have a strong brand. Uh, nationwide and actually people you know recognize that if you're not going to have that then obviously it's not worth uh, bringing in a team that's not going to do that justice to the brand correct and and it's it's very common you know teams that don't make it in one league one year switch to another league or somebody's somebody's mad on that team so then they split off and make another team um yep it, it's hurting it all, at all levels because, first of all, nobody wants to come see 16 players, and nobody wants to put a $5,000 sponsorship on a team that has 16 players. So um, that's really – I mean, that's not all that I preach, but that's one of the big things that I preach this time of year because this is when it counts, uh, making sure that you're getting 50, 60, 70, 80 players through your tryout um, before – you hit January. So um, we just, we actually, as the Dallas elite, we just had our first tryout um, on Sunday um, with our returning players and the girls that came out to tryouts were sitting at about 47 as of today, um, depending on, um, you know, we have to call some people back and tell them that they've made the team or not made the team. Um, but we're planning on having four more tryouts. So um we typically, and I've talked about this before, but we typically get through about 120 people um, to be able to have 55-ish come April 1st. So right. all of the teams and need I, I think to you're, I think something. you're one of the owners that you're one of the owners that is a veteran owner that understands logistics too well, and I think that's where the issue lies, where a lot of the a lot of the uh, new owners don't understand the logistics part of it. And I think that's the key to anything. It doesn't matter. You know, the league's been in place for 10 years. Uh, you have to have mentorship in order for you to get, you know, everybody else to buy in and have a good, you know, 
uh, attitude towards finishing the season strong because then it hurts the it hurts the participation and in, in general because the players you know some players are doing dual duty and they're paying the same fee but you know on the other side they're playing individual players and they're not playing double duty and so that also hurts yeah no we, you know we what i really try to let people know is you know like you said we started with the lone star mustang we went on and um, had the Little Rock Wildcats and the Tulsa Eagles. Um, those were brand new, started from zero um, in small markets. A lot of times I get, oh, well, we're in a small market, so there's no way we could get as many people as you can get in Dallas. And I 100% disagree because we were able to do it in Tulsa and Little Rock. And, I mean, honestly, we had to completely rebuild the Dallas Elite um, from, you know, what, two years ago. Um, so it's doable and all, I, I believe that it's doable for all these teams. You know, I, I'm very passionate about women's football. I think it can be very successful, hugely successful. Um, but it requires everybody buying into the idea that the teams need to be sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I do, I do believe in fundraising and I do believe in sponsorship, but ultimately what I really believe in is building a team that, um, can sustain itself and putting things in place that um, can make the team money all the time. Because if you think about it, I mean, let's be honest, you you have four home games and maybe you have a couple fundraisers and some people are doing bake sales and all this stuff, but you have four home games to make money. Right. And 90% of the teams are not making money on those four home games. So all the other stuff they're doing is losing money, right? Going to the away games, lose the money. They don't make any money on away games. So you have four opportunities plus maybe two or three fundraisers to make $50,000, dollars $70,000 to sustain the season. So you need to come up with a way as an owner um, to do that. So that's what I really focused on last year as far as the the, kind of getting the information out to the owners and then this year, I'm kind of switching and uh, getting the information out to the players, um, you know, building sustainable brands for themselves. So um, I'm really excited about this year with the WFA and with the Dallas Elite. It's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, it's going to be fun. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll well, be good. The only thing, the only thing I, I, I want to, you know, like, I want to give everybody an idea of, like, where we're at because – there's a lot of, you know, division one last year was really the focus for, for the league. I think this year it's a real focus. We have very, very good organizations in tier three. Uh, we show, kind of proved that last year with the playoffs and all the teams that came up with division two is really strong. You have the slam coming back. So every tier had some sort of prominent teams that you can do that. Now it's a matter of figuring out whether St. Louis belongs in D one, whether, you know, a certain team in D2 belongs in D1, right? And so it's, it's a conversation about how do you make WFA D1 strong like it was before and make it the, the staple that it was in prior seasons. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and, and you're absolutely right. That, that is the conversation that, that's had. Um, last year, you know, kind of to give kind of a, a backtrack, but um, I think we ended up with seven seven tier one teams or something. Um, there was a yes. lot of changes towards the, towards the end of locking things in. 
um, there were several teams that uh, were thought to be or assumed to be uh, tier one teams that came in tier through tier two or tier three. Um, and so that put things kind of, you know, off kilter, if, if I could say. Uh, I think that yeah, you know, it wasn't we, ideal we put, for sure. It wasn't right, ideal for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we now have, I think it's about 30, 37 teams-ish. I, I don't have the numbers, and my computer is not coming up because I live in the country, but um, I think it's about, like, 37 teams in, in Tier 3, and, and I know some of those teams yeah. are going to move up to Tier yeah. 2, and Tier 2 teams, a few of them are moving up to Tier 1, uh, but I don't know if it's going to stay a, tier, a three-tier system. That's all discussed at the owners' meeting, and, um, you know, everybody kind of, puts their two cents in and then there's an ultimate vote vote on it. Um, so we'll, we'll know that, um, you know, the, the week or two Lynn, after uh, the meeting. Lynn, what do you, uh, I mean, I know there a lot of the tier three teams, uh, some owners are really, uh, you know, reality based, you know, Orlando's reality based. They would never touch D2 because they just can't do it. You know what I mean? They can't sustain it. They barely had it, uh, you know, they had concerns last year trying to finish the season because of injuries mm-hmm. as well, because of the low numbers and everything else. So there are some owners. Uh, I, I was, I want to say uh, there's a lot of owners in every tier probably that uh, common sense does come into play by saying, okay, I can't shift the other way because there's just no way right. I can do it or finish the season because it would hurt. Ultimately it hurts the brand. And, and also it also hurts them in terms of sponsorship and marketing because you don't want to like, you know, forfeit four games, like you said, you only have four home games, and you forfeit three out of four, then uh, people are just going to go, oh, well, this is just a waste of time, right? It's really what their attitude's going right. to be. Absolutely. So, yeah, so there are going to be some teams that um, are going to stay where they're at, obviously, for especially for this season, I would think. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, I, I don't even know how to say this. In my opinion – you know, when we first started in women's football, there were no tiers. Um, and, you know, if there was a team that had been there 20 years, then you just kind of tried to tough it out and see if you could beat them. Um, everybody, you know, kind of complained about not having tiers and having to play these big teams. So the idea came in that, you know, we're going to have these tiers. But it's, it doesn't make sense, like you said. Uh, it makes sense in a bubble, right? But it does make sense yeah, that, that, in reality exactly. because you still have the you still have the um, travel issue that we talked about. Right. You know, unless we had sixty teams in every tier where it wasn't a travel issue for everybody, um, and everybody had close teams, then it then it would be an ideal, wonderful situation. But we don't have both of those components in place. You know, in in Texas, you know, I think we're going to have about seven teams this year, so. Virtually, you know, I don't know how the schedule is going to come out, but I wouldn't even have to leave Texas to play all my games home and away. Um, now, that's not right. going to be the case for, like, a Seattle and a Maine and a, a Colorado, you, you know, Utah, right. that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, that, that it's going to still be a situation because you don't have both components of the tiers and the travel being fixed. So. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to be voted on because, like I said, it's a voting system, but um, we'll see what happens and, and we'll go with it from there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. The, the, 
the the shifting of I mean we've had, the tier system came about when the IWFL presented it, um, and then it, at that point it, it made sense because they were obviously bigger as well. I think the tier system makes sense. I just think it has to be you have to analyze each team's you know contribution to sustainability on a roster mode. I think that's the key. If everybody can just be honest about okay, can you survive the season? Uh, with the 40-man roster, or can you survive with maybe approximately 25? Then, then it's called okay, you're in tier three because you cannot survive. But if you're in tier mm-hmm. one and two, and you have a good roster of starting out, like you said, you're at 40, and you have a you know a sort of a practice squad of 12, as an example, then obviously you do deserve to be division one. You know, because you you should have the numbers, even if you fall apart. There's at least some sort of you know leeway where you can bring in two or three players from that are interested at some point, put them in the season to, and, and get down to mm-hmm. about 30 for to finish the season. That would make sense for you to be in tier in, you know, tier one, for example, but eliminating tier right. three, I think you need to just analyze all tier three teams and then figure out who deserves to be in D2. And that also will lessen the numbers in D3. Well, I'll take it to the owner's meeting and let them know. Yeah. I mean, it's just a shift. I think in my eyes, I yeah. think there's quality teams, in, in in every tier that can be bumped to another tier. Uh, they do it in Mexico. So as an example, in Mexico, right? Let's right. say you're, D1, you're D1 and you uh, you end up in last place finish for the season. Then you're demoted to D2 and then the top winning team in, D, in D2 would then get reanalyzed to go to D1 for the next season. Yeah. So you end up yeah. getting a grade that, up. That, that, so it's, it's a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense, and that's right. You know, uh, some of it is, uh, in the past at least, has been uh, choice, but also roster and experience. So there was, you know, three or four components in it. Um, I think that, you know, years in the future or the coming years that there'll be some more analysis of it. Um, I don't know that it's completely bad or completely good, but um, we did in the past, you know, 10 years ago, it was just everyone for themselves. Good luck. So, right. Uh, but I, I really think it makes it know. exciting in, in a way, because we do have the tier system. I think it makes it for fans. I'm talking about the fan aspect of it. It's kind of like college football. We have, you know, division one, division two, II, division three, as an example, it really makes it exciting mm-hmm. for a, a fan base to say, okay, uh, the D three championship, the D two championship, you know what I mean? It makes it exciting because you're shooting mm-hmm. for something. If you have only one tier mode, then everybody already kind of assumes, okay, we're I'm lost after you know five weeks, not going to make anything, right? So, so what am right, I fighting right. for? So, I think the tiers right. are really more of a feeder, feeder system kind of prep. And if you use them right, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, internationally they do it that way because it challenges the um, ownership, it challenges the coaching staff, and also challenges the players to say, okay, if you're so great in D two. Uh, prove it in D1 because you've proven it in D2. Now go prove it in D1. And so it's kind of like another level of uh, another challenge in other words. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And um, yeah, from a, from a player standpoint or quality of football standpoint, that's absolutely right. Now, you know, we also have the whole other side of it, which is, you know, the fans coming out and having an enjoyable time. Um, Right. You know, it's got to be it's got to be competitive. So even if you have a, a D three team, 
visiting or going to a, a D2 or D1 team, it, it's hard to keep that level of entertainment, um, you know, for the fans that are in the stands and for, you know, people that are watching on YouTube or TV or whatever. Um, there has to be still that level of equality, I guess you could say, or, the you know, any given Sunday, any given Saturday um, that any yeah, team and, could win. Last year, so. I think uh, last year there was a, a you know you saw your team last year there was uh, lower tier teams that obviously played very competitive with you, you know close games mm-hmm. you know yep. under two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's always depends oh, yeah. on the coaching staff, right? It depends on who's coaching and who's running the schemes, and and there's you know a D three team can can totally you know compete with a D one on any given week. It's just the way it's coming in. So there's, there's yeah, it depends there's- on the coaching staff. Absolutely. You know, unlike, you know, NFL and and that kind of thing, there are so many components that um, lead to the football game that that week. It does have to do with coaching staff, a number of coaches, quality of coaching, a number of players, and how many players are getting to practice, uh, which is, you know, something we haven't touched on in, in this. But, you know, if you have, again, if you have 20 players, and you have three practices a week and you're getting six people to practice, nothing's happening. You're not progressing as a football team. And that's where the game day day results prove that that's when you get the routing and the blowouts because there's like Mm -hmm. you're burning out people. And and people are showing up because of pride. They're not showing up just, you know, because they want to show up. They show up because, okay, they've Mm -hmm. committed to something to show up. But then you're forcing those small number of people to uh, play dual to play double roles and then they get burned out after you know three or four weeks and the body can only take so many weeks of you know of grind if you don't have the numbers so like i'm saying it's it's, it's really a conversation i think the ownerships in the wfa it's a conversation about you know what's best for the player first and foremost and then what's best for you know maintaining a a non-forfeited season and then it's really what's best for the brand in terms of how many teams we really mm-hmm. need to keep, to have the brand be stay relevant, right? And and fans really want to go watch the games. So so what do we do to fix women's football? There's so what many do we do to women's football? Need to be done. <laughs> so fix, yeah, I, I, what do we do to make it great? I think there's a lot of marketing that needs to be reinforced. You got to have some marketing. And I think that the, the ownership, for me, it really starts with uh, the owners realizing, like, to your point earlier, we talked about it. Can you sustain a sustainable roster? If you can't, then there's no need for you to start the season. Then just do an off season until you get your numbers up. You know what I mean? So, and in other words, really you have to dive into the fact that you're hurting the brand ultimately if you are not able to sustain a full eight-week season and have the numbers. Because if you, if you do that, then obviously you're creating forfeits and the entertainment value is gone. And then the brand is not taken seriously. And we want to, if you want the WFA to be taken seriously, that is the goal of every owner in terms of a meeting is to say no forfeits. Can anybody legitimately sit here and say, I will not have a forfeit based on what you have in terms of roster. Because if you can't say that, Mm -hmm. then you shouldn't even be starting the season. You just wasted the Mm -hmm. season in terms of, in terms Mm -hmm. of everything effort, uh, volunteering, every, everything goes down the pipe, and then you're obviously ultimately at the end of the day, you might end up creating 
uh, more injuries for an individual, and, and there's a life-changing event for each player, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do we do to get all of this, the legitimate teams that have rosters that can get through a season, how do we get them all competing in one league, in one arena? You mean how do we if, do you, if you're talking – if we're strictly talking WFA, I think you you need to break up an East Coast West Coast mentality, and then you have to treat it like this is this is going to be the travel cost. You, I mean, in other words, we have to be realistic about it. So if D1, for example, there's only four teams in on the East Coast in D1, for example, they could, they'd have to play themselves uh, eight weeks, you know, for eight weeks or whatever on and off. That's competitive football, and that's what we want. So if it's going to be just five teams on the East Coast in Tier One just make sure that they're they're playing each other because that's only going to elevate the brand because the travel cost is not going to matter at this point because if you're playing D3 or you're playing, you know, another lower lower tier team, then then the competition's going to be just wasted. Fans are not going to be excited about it. You know, I would rather see, okay, I would rather see okay, a DC Boston five times on a schedule, right? On a grind like okay, week 1 and then week 3 and then week 5. I would rather see that uh, through the eight weeks than having to see Boston blow out a tier three or a tier two or, you know what I'm saying? I'd rather see the grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd rather see like yourselves, right? Uh, Houston energy, Dallas elite, right? I'd rather see three, three of those games versus having to have you and, and what camel County twice on the schedule. You know what I mean? I, uh, that's my, mm-hmm. my whole point. You know, Arlington's improved, right? right? Okay. I'd rather see Arlington, Dallas elite, Arlington, Houston energy. I would rather see that three times, in the eight-week season than having to, you know, spread it out over so many teams in different tiers. It's just a, a, what mm-hmm. I'm saying is the WFA, to me, is already a solid foundation. We already have a structure. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it starts with ownership. The ownership has to figure out how can we get people to notice us. You know, it, and you will get noticed. I mean, you're in Texas, uh, Lynn, right? Energy is a good squad. Mm-hmm. Impact's a good squad, right? You want to play mm-hmm. them. You don't want to play, you know, Camel County. Have Camel County play Austin Outlaws three times, right? Just break it down that, that way. But uh, my thing is just the visibility has to be there for the fans to really dive in because if you can get Dallas Elite, Houston Energy, in, you know, tw- 30 to 28 game, 14 to 12, you know, 19 to 21, people will come out. They'll start to notice that. Oh, my God, this is competitive football. And it's, a, it's unfortunate because – no matter what league you talk about, whether it has a foundation or doesn't have a foundation, that's, that's what's having to happen because it's yep. not the, the best against the best. It's, it's whoever has come this year. So yeah. ideally, you know, I've, I've always hoped that, you know, ultimately someday there would be one league and, you know, the WNFA got rid of them and the you know, called yeah. ABC or The only thing I'm saying is, Alin, you have you you have Texas as a stronghold. That should uh, that alone, that swing right there, should be a D1, you know, division. Just restructure the division. You know, Division One East and Division One West, and Division One West is probably all Texas at this point. If it looks, if you're looking at it right now, it's probably all Texas. Besides what Cali War in California as an example. And all they do is play th- tier three, which is a disservice to them anyways. 
Well, and you know, we, you know, hopefully throughout the, you know, this year, next year, I mean, it's going to continue. I mean, we're going to continue to build and grow. And my goal is, uh, you know, team development uh, is to build those teams, move team three, you know, tier three or division three to tier two and tier two to tier one, whether it's still being that or not, but just giving these teams a solid foundation of, you know, what their budget should be, you know, what, you know, what are the fundraisers that make the most money? You know, what, right. you know, do you really know what a, a corporation is versus a, an LLC and, and how you should be running your business? So um, my husband and I, you know, have worked with teams and hopefully, you know, I think that we'll see a lot of teams move from tier three to tier two and tier two to tier one. And I, right. I think that that's a, um, that speaks well to, you know, the board of directors working with that. Uh, Lisa working with that, Win working on that, you know, to really build up the teams and get them knowledgeable because there is no how-to, you know, the, the right. well, there's going to be a how-to book, but it's not out yet. But um, there was no how-to. And when you started with the NWFA, they just said, thank you for your $5,000 or $10,000 sure. or $20,000 and um, good luck. So, um, you know, making sure that the teams know what they need to do and, you know, a lot of people are getting misinformation. Oh, you can start it with two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars. That's kind of true, but it does take fifty to seventy thousand dollars to to run a team for a year. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, a lot of it is yeah. a lot of it is marketing money too. I mean, people don't understand mm-hmm. the marketing part of it. That's a big piece to it. You know, it's not like the other stuff. But um, Lynn, what are you get? What are you gonna tell us? Uh, you said there's four tryouts for the elite, right? Coming up. Uh, so you mm-hmm. can get on board in, if you're in Texas. Is it is in the DFW region or uh, where is it located? Yeah, yeah. So the for the Dallas Elite, our next tryout is October 5th. Um, we'll be doing that. Um, we actually have people come register online, and then we mm-hmm. um, connect with them and, and let them know what's going to happen at the tryout. Um, so that's been really good for us. And I'm um, just getting out there and getting noticed and um, – you know, I'm going to put out there for the, the women's football success. We did the, I did the radio show last year, women's football success. Like I said, I really focused on the owner side of it and really trying to get some information out there um, for owners to understand the different concepts that were going on, you know, travel, what's the difference between traveling on their own by bus or by van, different things like that. A lot of people don't realize that having a women's football team is like owning 10 different businesses. You've got concessions, you've got volunteers, you've got community yep. involvement, all the stuff. And it's a lot of planning. Right. It's a lot of stuff. So, um, so women's football success is going to be focusing on the players this year. And um, I'm excited about it. We're going we're gonna to get this going. And uh, the previous podcasts are located, uh, if you follow, at JC underscore Hawks, or if you go to Block Talk Radio and you can search it as well, right? Right, right, yeah, on Block Talk Radio. Yep, that's right. All right. Um, so, Lynn, uh, wish you well with the Dallas Elite. Looking forward to the uh, results of the owners' meeting and see what kind of changes the WFA is going to do sure. for 2020. Um, so let me know if you can uh, figure that out so I can either – yourself or when to come in and kind of speak to what is going to come up for spring 2020 so we can uh, let the fans know exactly what they're what they're going to be able to expect in the upcoming uh, wfa 2020 season 
Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, some, we'll have somebody come on and, and share with you what happened at the owner's meeting and uh, what everybody can can expect to come forward. I'm I'm excited about the season. We'll see what it's yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I started looking at uh, I started looking at the schedule last year, and like I said, I'm really uh, really excited to see what's going to happen this year because you guys are going to be much improved. Uh, Arlington was really impressive last year into that playoff mode. Okay, uh, then they they took on yeah. Cali War. You got Energy that came mm-hmm. over from the IWFL, and they were pretty explosive. So the whole Texas wing there is is either very much it's going to improve in this coming up season. So it's really exciting to see what going to transpire in that midwest region yeah, we're yeah we're really excited obviously about uh from a team standpoint um the texas region and then uh wfa like i said we talked to nine new teams last two weeks um we're looking to be at about my goal is 80 teams um <laughs> my husband shakes his head oh my gosh <laughs> um for the wfa this season so uh we'll see what happens I'm hoping to reach my goal. All right, uh, Lynn. Uh, WFA, uh, WFA Team United, very good concept. Uh, it kind of gives uh, an all all star squad for international competition. So that was kind of surprising in, in a way, but at the same time, it's kind of like very exciting for certain players. You know, you always get to play an all star game, but this this time around, it's kind of like we have to wait four years for the IFAB World Championships, and this is sort of a nice little. Uh, you know, competitive international type of stage where people, uh, where the players can get better. And then at some point, if they want to try out for the official, you know, Team USA that's going to go compete internationally, it really gives them a, a mm-hmm. leg up. Right, right. Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, there's just so many opportunities right now. You know, women's football, you know, we all know it's it's expanding, it's growing, and people are starting to notice it. So, Women are starting to get the opportunities that they never had before, whether it be with USA, the international team, um, going to Canada, going to Mexico, Cancun, uh, or whether it's officiating or coaching with the NFL. I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing how much has happened in the last 10 years. Um, And I think that, you know, if we look at 10 years from now, it's just, it's just going to be amazing. So, um, It'll be good. It'll it'll be it'll be an interesting time. Um, and again, I, I hope that um, at some point women's football can be the success that it, that it's supposed to be, that it's meant to be. Well, I can tell you right now, leadership in both leagues, uh, with the WNFC coming on board, and you guys have leaders yourself, Wynn, uh, Lisa, uh, you have Molly. There's a lot of owners, Rich Daniel, right on in the WFA side. So I know everybody's got the best interest to really put forward a, you know, a good competitive uh, brand. And I think the competition now has kind of risen for both sides. And it's really, really exciting for us in terms of the media, because now we get surprised on this news or that news. And, you know, before it was was like one league and no big deal. We'd go through the season. Now it's kind of exciting because there's certain deals that are being made uh, to better the league or the brand or or even the sport in general. And I think uh, 2020 is going to get better that way. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here in the, in the coming week and um, we'll go from there. I, I, you know, we have a lot of deals going on. I'm sure all the leagues do. So we'll, I'm sh- a lot of people kind of keep quiet from now until like 
February because nobody likes to let the cat out of the bag about who they have and what the, what they have. So mm-hmm. um, everybody stays hush-hush um, because it's the nature of women's football. So I'm sure the coming yeah. weeks and coming there'll be a ton of surprises. Awesome. So we can't, we can't not wait to see what things are going to transpire <laughs> for 2020. And the off season is going to be pretty interesting too, because there's a lot of teams uh, retooling. Uh, hopefully, you know, some of the tier, like we said, tier one, tier two, and tier three of the upper level teams, they're only going to get better because obviously they're hungrier uh-huh. to get to that next level. So it's going to be real exciting for WFA 2020. So thanks for coming in, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to you and get the insights in terms of the WFA and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen in 2020. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That was uh, Lynn Ellington, uh, Liberty Ellington, the owner of the Dallas Elite of the WFA. As you can tell, she's really excited for what's coming up in the pipeline. Um, She's been in the sport for a long, long time. She understands the intricacies of the sport. She also understands uh, all the mistakes that uh, new teams make, uh, even veteran teams um, try to get to that next level of visibility, uh, marketing. Um, So if you've never uh, listened to her, you can. uh, If you go to the Dallas Elite uh, website or the Dallas Elite Facebook page, uh, normally she has – small business shops and it's uh, talking to owners as well as like she said this year she's going to be focusing on players so you can really dive into her on the link and it's at the uh, Dallas Elite Facebook page and get the link there to those podcasts very informative almost an hour or so and it's very key things that you need to focus on starting from the ground up in terms of a new organization as well as building up to a sustainable roster uh, as she said before you know the game day headaches try to get that entertainment value to be very interesting for the fans and prevent obviously forfeits, which is the ultimate uh, death wish for any team is to have, you know, too many forfeits in an eight week season, which is only four home games, four away. So she really understands the logistics of it. One of the uh, veteran owners in the WFA, and that's why we want to bring her in because she knows uh, what's going down and hopefully between herself uh and the other veteran owners that have been stapled, you know, with Boston, D.C., Mile High, and the various owners as well, they will be able to forge forward a uh, great season for WFA 2020. So looking forward to see what comes about from the owners meeting here in a couple weeks for the WFA and where they're going to stand in terms of the Tier 1, Tier 2, or they're going to shuffle. So a lot of things unknown right now, but we will pretty much know uh, within the next coming weeks and a couple months. And usually, like to her point, we probably won't know anything until probably early February, late January, early February before the about 90 days out. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, let's bring in Louise Bean here in the house, Hall of Fame quarterback. Louise Bean, what's going on, Louise? Hey, how's it going? I got to good. hear a portion of that interview. That sounded good. Like you said, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the WFA pans out and how the WNFC continues to add teams and also that WT oh man what's that one in the south yeah WTFL? they're adding teams yep. too so yes so that'll be yeah I mean it's just it's it's kind of like uh we just talked to Lynn it's 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 everybody wants to forge their own path or something instead of trying to work together to create this you know one one league rule and make it strong and, and presence but 
what are you going to do, right? It's America. People can branch out and do what they want. And there's not much there Free to agency. do it, but right. Free and I just team. don't see the, I don't <laughs> see the point as I, as I mentioned to her, I don't see the point where you're branching out from an existing league that already has some logistic benefits. And then you're branching out and putting up, you know, a team scattered all over the country. And you're thinking you're going to sustain that. It's like, it just doesn't work. I mean, I understand the USWSFL because it's, kind of regionally based on the east coast and you only got about maybe four or five states right so that makes sense you're local regional but when you say hey i'm going to put two teams out in the east coast two teams in the midwest and two on the west coast okay well uh what are you doing to the players you know they're ultimately have to play the travel cost it's not like you're paying the travel cost so yeah i I thought one of the more interesting posts sorry keep going no you don't go ahead i thought one of the more interesting posts this week was the one with the map of the different um the different leagues, like you could click on the WFA Division T- 1, and you could see where the teams were. And I thought that was really interesting uh, just to see the breakdown. Yeah, it was done by, uh, uh, I think it was done by Jody Rolander uh, on, mm-hmm. um, on one of the, uh, one of the uh, mappings that she does yep. every year. And, and that map right there it gives you a reality check. It's like how, mm-hmm. do you, you know, how do you travel from, you know, the East Coast – and you have to play a team in the Midwest two times out of you know two times out of the year, whatever. That's schedule wise. In other words, I mean, it's like now you put a burden on the player. We're trying to lessen the player cost is really the goal, so that the player doesn't have to pay to play. And these leagues, uh, the new leagues, uh, obviously don't believe in that because if they did, they wouldn't be doing that. Well, even the WNFC, it's it's you know it's always interesting to see who they're adding, but. But it's still – you were talking to Lynn about the different tiers and in the WFA. And and so for Division Three teams, it gives them a shot to win a championship versus trying to play Division One teams. And the WNFC doesn't have that. And so they're, the challenge is different. You know, we've talked with uh, different people from that league. The challenge is different because they don't have a legitimate shot of winning the championship. And so their desires are, must be different. They have to be different. They want to. They've discussed it about why they want to be. In I the think league. if you so, if you look at the WNFC structure, um, mm-hmm. because it's already it's kind of like a one tier structure, kind of like what the mm-hmm. uh, WFA used to have in the old days. Um, it's right. just a matter of figuring out. Okay, the the league itself understands if you break down the rankings like we did last year you truly understand that the top five teams are your tier one and the middle of the pack is D2 and at the bottom of the barrel is D3. So you can literally right. just say these, these, the D3 teams will never compete for a D1 title, basically, on, on a one-tier setup. It's just reality. Right. But are they going to get better every season, right? So the right. goal is to get better every season. But, I, I mean, both leagues have a plus and minuses. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the tier system really works uh, to her point. If you're looking at 80 teams, you're forced to put, uh, uh, you know, different tiers in it because it makes sense for, you know, what level of play you're working with. So right. uh, my point is just if you're going to make a T, uh, if you're going to make tier one, the staple for the brand, that's my, my whole point. If, if the WFA wants to make a statement, it has to make a statement with tier one. And that means they have to bring in, you know, the best teams in D2 and say, hey, I need you to step up to D1. Because right? we can't have seven yeah, teams in D1. Yeah. And I thought there was only six when I looked at that map. I thought. Yeah. 
But they're all across. I mean, they're spread across the entire nation. So you'll never, not never, because Dawson and D.C. will play each other, and Fresno and Portland will play each other. Right. But, you know, your playoffs just hard. But literally, you're just well. Not, my thing is, you're just, Louise. My thing is about get them getting serious. You have to get serious. Yeah. So in other words, like I uh, mentioned to Lynn earlier, I would rather see Boston D.C. play three times out of the eight weeks. You know, two two yeah. two away, two at home. Then having to see, you know, D.C. play somebody that's a lower, lower tier team, a tier three. There's no need for that. Why don't you just say, okay, you got to play Columbus twice. You're going to play Pittsburgh twice. You're going to play Boston twice. And that's it. That's it. That's your weekly schedule. You're only going to play four of the teams in your top tier level. And that's better than saying. Right. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And so what I'm saying is structure it that way because it makes it more exciting for the fans to, to dive in and go, okay, this is really top-level football. Versus, you know, one week you're playing a, D, a D2 lower-class team, and then all of a sudden they throw in a D3 right in the middle of the schedule. It's like, and you're blowing them out. You're blowing them out, 56-0. You don't need that. I think, I think they need to really analyze. I know it's tougher on the West Coast because on the West Coast, yeah. obviously, you know, you got the California swing, and you would have to get, you know, uh, Cali Ward to kind of fundraise to show up in Texas, you know, three times out of the year, you know, to fundraise to go there to face like Houston, uh, Houston Energy, to face Arlington, or to face the Dallas Elite. So that's a tougher, you know, hurdle, obviously, if you're going to, you know, swing over to Texas, in other words. Yeah, definitely. It's hard for Fresno. It's hard for Portland. Um, and I think some of those teams, in my opinion, I don't think Portland is, is on the same D1 scale as – Washington and Boston, but at least they're willing to be in it because I think there's right. I think there's several D two teams that really should be forced. Um, and I don't know if the forced is the right word. It's just they are good enough to compete legitimately. Maybe not against Boston. I think the guidelines. Day, I think the guidelines have to be set. Um, just like I talked to her in Mexico, it's pretty straightforward. You know, when you go to uh, okay. Lexpa, Lexpa's got three tiers too. The, pro, the, 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 the way Lexpo works it is you got five teams, five to six teams competing in the first tier. The, bot, the, the team that finishes last, okay, is down, downgraded to D2, and the team that finishes first in D2 is upgraded to D1. And it goes okay. in every tier that way. I hear that. And, okay. You know what I'm saying? So really, yep. it, 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 literally, it literally challenges that team to say, okay, you're the best team in D2 this season. Now go prove it in D1 that you can be so competitive and, and compete there. Um, so yep. it, it challenges the coaching staff. It, challenge, it challenges the players, right? It makes it a better competition, uh, things like that. So I think the WFA, to me, if you had to make a tier one, you would be uh, you would be tier one east, tier one west, and you would have to put maybe four teams on the east coast and four teams on the west coast, and they would just have to play each other three times, you know, two at home, two away, and then maybe one one time in the playoffs. It really that's how it would work out. So if, and that and would it be could competitive. change year to year. Yeah, it could change right, year exactly. to year just because based on what they what their record was the year before or that kind of thing. Right. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, Luis, uh, surprised that Prescott and Cooper got uh, got along so well, and your Cowboys get the win. <laughs> that was I didn't expect them to be that efficient. I mean, they just were efficient. But there were several NFL games that I just kind of didn't expect the. The Ravens score, and I thought Denver would do better. Uh, my Saints, Saints are my number two team because of Taysom Hill, 
and uh, my son just loves them. And uh, so, and the Saints and the Monday Night Football game was totally fun to watch at the end. So yeah, there was some there was some good games. I mean, I didn't expect. Oh gosh, I didn't expect New England to just look that good. Um, but everything changes week to week, so. No, and and that's what I'm saying. It's like my Rams are flat, and they barely get out of Carolina <laughs> with a win. You know what I mean? They were yeah. flat. I'm yeah. like offensively, I'm like, what am I watching here? McCaffrey almost, yeah, what, you know, literally pulled off the upset here. And then uh, to to everybody's surprise, uh, Holly's uh, Holly's Niners, you know, they didn't play great offensively, but defensively they stepped up and they did pretty well there. So, I mean, it worked out. Seattle really, you know, busted out, and then all of a sudden. You know the Bengals kind of put a scare on them too, so that's worked out. To, you know where they they get out of there with a one point win. So the NFC West for us, it's like for me, we barely got away. You know all the teams in the NFC West barely barely squeaked by with the win. Yeah, well, and, and, uh, and well, I mean the Cardinals did not win, but you know I mean they tied. Okay, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped paying attention to that game when they were down eighteen to zero because I'm from Arizona. And I was just like, oh, gosh, they got problems. And all of a sudden, I hear later that I need to watch the highlights because they tied it up. I'm like, what just happened? So at least it makes it interesting football <laughs> for the teams that haven't been so good. So obviously the Cardinals well, were one of those teams. Um, I will tell you this. It was very entertaining to watch or to hear uh, Bilicek mm-hmm. in, on Boston Radio. And mm-hmm. the announcer on Boston Radio says, Hey, what do you think of your new guy? It's going to make a difference. You know what he said? He's just another guy that's talented on our team. And we'll figure yep. out how he works. He's the best. He's seriously like, the best. Oh, like, no hide for Antonio Brown. That was like classic Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> another guy that's talented on my guy. roster. They're all talented yep. on my roster. He's just another guy that's talented. <laughs> I was like, wow. That's just a- it's so perfect. It's just perfect to say that because, you know, it's. Not, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing. But I know that they have they have it. I mean, they can get rid of them pretty easily, and that's what they do over there. So I, they they're pretty smart people. But and the Browns lost. I mean, the Browns were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and they didn't look good. So, Louise, Louise, can you, my neighbor was my neighbor was like, they, they are pathetic. They're, they're bad. Hype is over. He's like, yeah. they're gonna have to put like. Uh, Bud Light coolers again all over the town to, for their first win again. <laughs> Mayfield, Mayfield got, run number two or something. Yeah, that was a bad loss. That's a bad loss. So not as bad oh my as God. the Ravens, was, but no, I mean the Ravens surprised me in a way, but they didn't because I was not shocked that Miami doesn't have a D. You know, it just yeah. it doesn't shock me that they don't have a D. They were just bad and fits magic. Come on, are you kidding me? It was like round two in Miami. Not going to happen. Oh, that guy. I don't know how he keeps getting a job, but he does. It's not, Holly, it's not Holly's guy, by the way. I just wanted to point this out. It's not Holly's guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy, man, that's amazing. It's like he just keeps getting a job. And I just thought they would really turn it over to Josh Rosen. I mean, the job. I know he came in, but... And then, you know, the rumors that people are asking to be traded from them, and good heavens, that just sounds like a mess. Um, Luis, would you be asked to be traded to? I mean, you went through training camp, and you don't trust these people, and then you get to the first game, and you're like, I want out of here. That's just bad. Oh. Bad press. Yeah. It's only redeeming that you're getting paid. 
Oh gosh, yeah. I well, feel bad for the coach. It, you know. I know. In the locker room, I feel bad for him. <laughs> like yeah. we just threw you under the bus. The whole coaching staff was just thrown under the bus. In Miami. Yeah. Bad. Ah, uh, yeah. No, they've got to do something different. I do think the Ravens are good. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Good. I agree. So it's hard to totally know. agree. And Kansas, yeah, Kansas City. You know they're doing their thing. They're going to be fun to watch. There's definitely some fun teams to watch. Definitely some fun quarterbacks to watch. So at least it makes New that Orleans part impressed me. New Orleans impressed me, but I was totally impressed with Houston. Houston did play a good game. Yep. Uh, you know Watson was really good. Um, just, it just they just looked very good. And with Hopkins and everybody else, I mean I think they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And Tennessee right there, hey. Tennessee was not about to get off week one with a loss. And look at it. The Browns get a whooping. They, Mariota puts a staple on them. And I don't care who you have, Landry, o, o, o Beckham, mm-hmm. and everybody else. If, if nobody's making plays, you're not going to win. I don't care how talented of receivers you have. If nobody can make plays, you're not going to win. Yeah, well, I think that uh, they, the oh, Tennessee just came in – they don't get hyped. They just came in and said, yeah, we're – I listened to one of the guys after the radio, and I can't remember his name. He was just like, hey, you know, they got all the hype, but we came in to play. So, I mean, they got some big egos on the Browns. Not that there's not big egos everywhere, but they got some big egos. So, they got to put up and shut up. No, and that's what I'm saying. If they go 0-3, Luis, <laughs> if they go 0-3, <laughs> oh, my God. Given the roster and stuff, I mean, remember how they were talking about Hugh uh, Hugh Jackson being a, you know, horrible and everything else. If they go zero three uh, here, with everything they've picked up in the off season, that's not uh, good. I can't imagine they go zero three, but I feel like they just have too much talent. But anything can happen. So. All right, uh, my Rams played pretty down. Uh, Goff not impressive. Uh, receiver's not impressive. I have no idea what the girly story is going to be in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't very impressed. So I'm worried because defensively we played okay. Um, I'm worried because there's going to be – the schedule gets a little tougher. And if, you can, if you're skating by by three points against a pretty bad Carolina team that didn't really have much weapons except for McCaffrey, I'm kind of worried right now. Yeah, they – I don't know what their deal is. I mean, you always lose a few players, but yeah, the girly thing's weird. They, I still think that their coach is too good, so I think they'll pull out of it. He's a proven guy, so I, I wouldn't lose hope yet. All right, uh, I'm gonna try something new here. Holly sent me some audio, but we'll see if it plays out. Uh, so I'm gonna try to play the audio right now in terms of her okay. thoughts, and here we go.
So what do you think of Holly's uh, thing, Luis? I couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it? No. Didn't come across? Okay, no problem. I'm going to have to fix that for the audio. All right, I'll fix it for the audio next week and kind of upload it. I'm just going to try something else, but we'll see if we can upload it next week. Um, She was just talking about the same thing we were talking about. Uh, I heard most of it, but I don't know if you could hear it. That's why I was asking if you could hear it. No, no. No, okay. No worries. Then I'll have to upload it um, next week, try to get an upload on it, because she was sending me some audio for it and, and going from there. So. Um, we'll, cool. we'll figure it out next week and go from there. Um, let's see here. I think we have Nate on. Uh, let's bring in Nate Ward and see if he's on. Uh, Nate, is that you? Yeah, I'm here. All right, Nate, let's talk Seahawks. They get out and out of Cincinnati with one point. We're just talking here with Luis. Uh, and so what do you think of the Seahawks? They scared me. You're <laughs> <laughs> the same boat I was, um, right, with the Rams? Yeah, no, yeah, exactly the same boat. That was not what I wanted to see in in week one. I know, I know, week one is for getting the rust out, but there should have been a lot more rust off than what I got. All right, um, Luis, what do we say about Philadelphia? Everybody had this Carson Wentz thing, and oh, by the way, oh my God, you know, maybe it's not going to work out. And here we are; they take care of business and they get their first win. Well, I think he really, really needed that win since Nick left. <laughs> Nick gets hurt, and so that's a bummer for him. But I think it was huge that he got that win and that the team looked good because, you know, Philly fans, they're they're crazy. And if he hadn't done well, they'd all be calling in saying, why'd you get rid of Nick? So big, it was a big win. All right. Um, let's go into uh, let's go into some college. Uh, what was the games that you stood out for you, uh, Luis, in college this weekend? Was there anything stood well, out for you? My team. BYU. Stood out. BYU. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a huge win for us. Um, yeah, that was crazy overtime. They should never have won. Uh, a couple of the games that stood out to me: the LSU game. That was close. Both teams ranked. Um, the USC Stanford game, I was paying attention to that one because, you, 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 as you know, USC lost their starting quarterback last week, and BYU's playing USC next week, and so and Stanford was ranked, and they beat them by 20, I think. So that was another big one. Um, gosh, what else stood out to me? Um, well, you expected the top teams to win. So Alabama, Clemson, none of those are surprises. People were playing their cupcake teams a lot. A lot of teams were. Um, Boise State, they won. Oh, the big one that I thought, too, is that the week last week, Wyoming beat Missouri pretty good. And then Missouri, which, you know, they're a Big Ten team, they went and beat, oh, I can't remember who they beat. Um but they beat someone pretty good. And so Wyoming from the from the Mountain West, you know, there's just crazy things that happen in football, college football, and that's why I love it. And then the Georgia State that beat Tennessee got beat by Furman. And so an Army, oh, the Army-Michigan game. That was huge. I wanted Army to pull that off. That would have been so cool. So those are the ones that stood out yeah, to me. Yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. Uh, interesting week. Ever since, you know, I'm not a big 
college football guy, but there's certain certain games that you just get up for and certain teams that you just kind of work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, college football, I like it more than the NFL, just because it's crazy and there's there's anything can happen and just the just the youthfulness of everything. Even though there's a lot of older fans that love college football, but I don't know, it's rabid. I love it. Well, I'm I'm kind of saddened because my UCLA Bruins stink. Uh, just just not a bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, they are not bad. working for me. They're horrible. Why I mean, like, think? what the hell are we doing out there recruiting? What are we doing? Just not what good. Is, why do you uh, think they had good coaches? I mean, Chip Kelly's there. What do you think's going on? I don't know. I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, uh, okay. every year it's like we're just bad. We're bad and bad. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, they just got to get it together. You know what I mean? Gotta try to get it together. It's just not working. And that's like, you yeah. know, you, uh, USC uh, trounces Stanford, right? Alabama and Georgia mm-hmm. continue to roll. Um, it was, uh, what, what was it? Uh, the the Tennessee go, go is 0-2, I think, since like 1988 yep. from my notes. So they yep. lose to your BYU. Uh, number one, Clemson won Henley over number 12, Texas A&M. Number two, Bama destroyed New Mexico State. Um, and, and the coach said, hey, Put me some, put somebody else on the schedule if you feel like we're just kind of like kicking people in, in the rear end. Uh, <laughs> number seven, Michigan, basically is you know, uh, gets a, a escapes with the win, and then USC obviously proves again. You know they're pretty much a, a big uh, Pac-12 powerhouse. So um, Nate, any surprises <laughs> in college football at, at this point? Anything that shocked you besides BYU beating Tennessee or something in double overtime? Are we speechless? Uh, UW not still. UW, uh, UW still not figuring out how to beat Cal. Oh yeah, now. yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Can you can you make a phone call, Nate, and kind of give him some insights? Yeah, I could definitely try to get on that. <laughs> no, no uh, there, but there, you know, there was, I mean, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, there's going to be a lot of Husky fans that point to the weather and the whole delay and being, you know, not starting until at least 1030 at night. But the fact of the matter is, is the 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 way they played is consistent with how they play all the time. And if you don't, you know, change it up against the team, you're not going to figure out what works. And they still have not found that one key to getting past the Cal team that they should have three, four years ago. Yeah, you know, I totally understand. I mean, I, it, it's it's kind of strange in that regard because you would think they'd, they'd have enough talent to do it, but they don't. So, um, Luis, the the player that got carted off against Ohio State, uh, I guess the Cincinnati player that got carted off, that was pretty horrid. Uh, usually you don't, you don't see that kind of stuff, but that's pretty bad. Oh, I didn't hear what happened on that one. I did not. I was not aware. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, I missed it was a that bad too. incident. Yeah. Oh, it was safety uh, McDonald uh, collapsed on the field and went into convulsions during the second quarter uh, of the game against oh, wow. Ohio State on Saturday afternoon. So the incident occurred during a play with just under five minutes before the half. Uh, trainers rushed out. Uh, he's about 212 pounds, sophomore. Uh, so. Wow. 
Yeah. So it basically turned out, uh, I guess he just collapsed. So I don't know if it was hydration or if it was a situation where, I don't know, they're still, um, we're still getting information on it, but that was a pretty bad situation. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Didn't know about that yeah, one it was at pretty all. Bad. They don't know anything. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Um, well, we're going to be getting more details, hopefully by t- today or tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he was he's at the hospital and all that. Um, I was kind of okay. bummed that Army didn't beat the Wolverines, even though I'm an Army guy. Double overtime, and my guys can't get it done. Uh, come on. It's just ridiculous. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Two overtimes? This is Army. These guys should be killing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, number seven read, <laughs> You know, the Army Army's just on the outskirts of being ranked because they had 11 wins last year, and I had read that they have to – they have height and weight restrictions for all of their cadets, and so they can't have linemen that are as big. Not, not just are they – undersized people that often are going to the, the academies for different reasons than football, they literally can't allow themselves to get so big. And I thought, you know, that's that's a different style of football that they have to do. Well, I can tell you it was a messy game, and it wasn't very entertaining okay. to watch. If, if you fumbled, oh, it was really, really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I did so not ball see security that. Went out, ball security went out the window with both teams losing okay. fumbles in three of their four possessions. <laughs> oh, Anyways, okay. so I'm, I I'm guess I'm glad that they, they were competitive for two overtime uh, sessions because <laughs> nobody could oh, find wow. the ball to score, I guess. Uh, I guess it's one of those games. So uh, mm-hmm. go Black Knights. Go Black Knights. That's all I got to say. All right. Um, let's see here. What else do we got? What What do we have coming up this week on the schedule? Let me look at the schedule here because um, we can figure out who we need to watch for. So it's uh, week three coming up here. Friday night. Uh, let's see who's, who's on Friday night. We got Washington State right Nate, against Houston on ESPN. There's one game we could watch. What else do we have? Saturday we have. Let's see here. Da, 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 da. I'm looking USC. at the schedule. BYU, oh, of course you're going to say BYU USC. On ABC. On ABC. There you go. Mm. I was thinking That's more Tennessee Chattanooga. I'm just kidding. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> they need it. <laughs> they need it. <laughs> they need it. Let's go with New Mexico Who's versus Notre Dame. Is that going to be entertaining? Mm. <laughs> Who's Washington playing and who's Oregon playing? Washington uh, uh, Hawaii. Oh, that's right. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Washington. Yeah, he's playing Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, Michigan State against Arizona State on Fox. Oh yeah, right. Be a good one. Arizona State's good. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one and see how that turns out. I'm only gonna be watching like two games because I'm so busy doing other stuff and it's just not happening. So. Um, trying to watch only the top 25 as much as I can. Uh, Washington taking on Hawaii on uh, the PAC network. That was uh, Nate already called that out. What else do we have? Purdue, TCU, uh, UCLA against Oklahoma. Go Bruins. Not going to happen. Oh, man. Gonna get okay, what's your prediction? Again. My prediction is only scoring two 25. touchdowns, and that's it. Two They're touchdowns for 
Oh, no. They're losing by more than that. If I, if I can't – I'm a homer, but we got a, we got issues, big-time issues. Is it home? Yeah, it's at home. We're going to get our asses whooped. It's not good. Ugh. It's on Fox. Your, your boosters aren't going to be happy. No, 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 and no. <laughs> Did you hear Lindsay I don't know, you guys. This is not comforting for me. Just to sit here and uh, the seats and everything. I tell Troy, it's not it's not good for me, you know. It's not good for me to sit there and go, hey, where's your team, UCLA? Oh, it's not even in the top twenty-five. <laughs> what? It's a health hazard. It's a health hazard. Oh God, just to talk about it makes me makes me ill at this point. Um, Clemson's up at the top. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Notre Dame, Auburn, Florida, Michigan. And look, you guys, we have Utah in the mix. Utah. I know. Number 11. Wow. Nate, Utah. Did anybody drink? Because I don't <laughs> drink. But if you were drinking, you'd probably think twice <laughs> about looking at that paper, right? Utah. Utah. They drink You've got Utah all the obviouses, and then, yeah. <laughs> That's a shocker, right, to see the... Utah right there at number 11. That's that's crazy, and then you get well, yeah, then you run down Texas, Penn State, Wisconsin, Oregon, <laughs> Texas A and M, but then you have Utah number eleven. I'm like, okay, they're not that good. Uh, they, I mean, All right, you called it. Not, you called it, Luis. They're listening to you right now. That's not right. I know. They're in. They're, they're number eleven they're right now. They're between they're Michigan and Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. They're not that good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Luis is not believing this. Nate, by the way, she's she's on a she's on a hater, hater for Utah. Here. No, I just know that they people in Utah they just get all worked up. I mean, obviously they're not the the people that do the rankings, but uh, I mean they just played Northern Illinois. I mean, seriously. Okay, I, I'm going to give you that because I don't know college well, so I'm going to give you the credit doubt the doubt for being the expert. Um, all right, Nate. Uh, any any games stand out here besides the one you called out? What's another game that we got to be watching? You say USC versus um, what you say USC versus what was the schedule here? Um, I wish I had it up in front of me so I could tell you because I, I think let me see what the schedule is. I, I have it in front of me right now. I, Hold on for a second. I have it in front of me because I, I wrote it down because I'm like not a big guy for you know yeah. for uh, for college. You said Hawaii, right? Did you say Hawaii? I think it was Hawaii. Really. Yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii's playing UW, and I was oh, going to say that's yeah, the only yeah, game yeah. I've really had. I've had penned in because I'm actually going to be there for that. So. Oh, okay. So let me. I think it's USC. Uh, well, Alabama's playing South Carolina, which is kind of okay. Yeah, whatever. Right. Stanford's taking on UCF this weekend on the Pac-10. Arizona State taking on Michigan State. And what else do we have here? Let me look at the schedule here. Interesting, interesting, interesting. USC has BYU. Clemson versus Syracuse. Oh, Washington against Miami. Uh, I'm sorry, Hawaii versus Washington was the one that we were talking about. Uh, Oklahoma against UCLA. And... Where is USC? Did I see USC on here? I must have missed it. 
Okay, well, I'll look it up later. That's fine. It's not gonna, It's not a big USC deal. USC has oh. uh, BYU at BYU. Oh, BYU. Okay, there you go. Uh, I think Louise bounced off on us, so um, it's just the two of us now to finish up the last 20 minutes of the hour here. So we'll see where she uh, where she's at here. So she's got to go. So she'll be back next week. Um, Don't worry. So uh, Nate, uh, LA versus versus Austin, really really good game. Marshall Salerno, uh, they all played pretty well down to the wire. They they beat Austin. Austin deserves yep. to be here. Probably deserved to be in Seattle, given the result of this weekend. It, we probably could have had a more competitive game if we would add maybe the acoustic playing the mist, but it didn't turn out that way. Um, you were there live. What yeah. happened to the Temptations? Um, Salerno was not ready for the Seattle defense. We kind of touched on that last week. If she was not on her A game and she took her focus off anything, they were toast, and that is exactly what happened. I've never seen a defensive line get through to a quarterback more times than I saw on Saturday night. Was it the weak line of the temptation that was just not be able to contain the rush? Was it, was it really? Oh yeah. They weren't, they, 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 they were lucky. They got 20 points on the board. They, they were not prepped for anything. I know they were, up. uh, what was the score at halftime? They were up like almost 20 something at halftime, right? It was, I want to say it was 35-0 at halftime. Wow. At least. This is what shocked me. This is what shocked me, okay? We got the LFL Awards night, and Mitch is hyping up the fact that this is the two best, you know, franchises in league history, which is correct. But then he's saying this is the two best teams that should be here. And then we were, they were talking about how, no. you know, we don't want to have, you know, an East Coast team versus a West Coast team and get blown out. So I guess this is kind of disrespectful to Atlanta in a way, right? Because you figure Atlanta maybe would have put up a oh, better fight. Far. You know what I mean? Oh, Atlanta or Austin, it wouldn't make a difference. Either one of them would have put up a better fight than what I saw. Yeah. It was just, no, it was, for, uh, for from what I was told, I was, uh, from what I was told, it was pretty uh, horrible performance for a final. Well, for championship game, definitely. I mean, you had obviously, you know, for the mist, you had one team that was on par with championship material, and then, you know, LA was just there. <laughs> do you, uh, Nate, do you think the uh, martinis and everything that happened at the Alpha Awards night affected Los Angeles, maybe? Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> might the be, Seattle uh, nightlife might be a, a good deduction. Oh, they had to have probably gone deep into the nightlife to find anything around here. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. All right. Well, either way, <laughs> it was probably it was probably the worst performance of any uh, Los Angeles Temptation championship team in any of the finals that they participated. It was pretty embarrassing for them. Oh, oh by and large. I mean, to, to put nothing against them, obviously, you know. They they played an incredible game against Austin, and it almost felt like they were, you know, they were prepared for them. We saw what, I mean, I would have pointed to that as more of a, a what we could have seen in a championship game than what we right. got. 
they were more prepared there and more ready there than they were here. And that's a shame yep. to the effort of like Ashley Salerno, Monique Gaxiola, all those veterans on that team that were hoping for that big cup as their big last raw, and they just did not have the teammates and the plays and the gears to, to get it done. All right. So, Nate, um, the only thing I got to say is uh, great for you that you didn't get out of there. If they would, it would have been the opposite, you probably would have gotten yourself beat down by the Miss family. So that was good for you right. that they it went the other way. Yep. Um, that I mean, I was happy about that. I was also happy that I was able to get home without getting struck by lightning too. So <laughs> I heard it was and, uh, and there was a power outage, right? There was at the the start of the fourth quarter. If anybody has seen a, a a Legends game, they have a little bit of a hype video to start the fourth quarter. And in that time frame, in the break between quarters, um, all the power glitched. Um, the PA announcer kind of played it off a little bit, you know, kind of trying to keep hyping the the team. I I, I really didn't have any. Like I said, I lost my signal in there, so I really didn't have an idea of what was going on outside. And then we were on our way out, and my mom actually um, phoned me and asked if I'd heard what was going on with the UW game. And then that's when lightning struck uh, where I could actually see it, and that's when I knew that we had a storm coming through, and we were lucky we even got to finish the game because they had to reset all of the cameras for YouTube and the the broadcast and get everything reset before they could even resume. So we had about a 15- to 20-minute delay. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that it was so strong. That was pretty pretty intense then. Yeah, about two. Uh, by the time I was driving home, listening to the the news, they were saying that around that central Puget Sound area from Kent to about where I live to to Redmond, about that uh, thirty five forty mile radius, about two hundred lightning strikes just within the last couple of hours. Wow, it's intense, really intense. We don't get those in Cali, by the way, in forever. Yeah, we don't get those in Cali, oh, yeah, so this, that's gotta be that's gotta be frightening out there sometimes, right? Oh, it's it's different, especially when you know. I mean, we obviously get rain here, we get high winds, but in terms of lightning, when we we talk lightning, somebody I was talking to earlier put it best: we get you know a little like one time showing of like that's it. This was you know this was something I would expect down in the south, like in Texas or Oklahoma, right. somewhere around there. This was not typical, like, northwest fall weather, but it was a, a good, fair indicator we were definitely out of summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Nate, uh, the ending, was it disappointing for Legends Football League, if you had to put it in perspective? Um, in perspective to other championship games, especially for the fact it was the 10th anniversary, yeah. It was it was a disappointing ending. I, I, I think it goes two ways. It was good because, you know, you got another dynasty and, you know, there's right. always a, a, a star over everything. But as far as the entirety of the game, it was a very disappointing and very flat ending to what had been an incredible season and I think should have you know, ended on a lot higher note than it did. Well, um, Nate, we that's the downer. The positive is uh, we finally we finally get to see a complete unit on all phases of, of the game. You got Ali Alberts who played uh, uh, that night. 
Jade Randall, Snore. I mean, Norton retires. So on the uh, on the opposite side, in terms of the mist, um, there's a lot of players that are probably not going to be coming back next year. So you would say this is probably the best mist team, in, probably in franchise history. Oh, by and far. Um, I mean, to see them all finally together, because I missed one game this year, and um, in watching the games online, you know, I could tell when this person was missing and that person was missing. So to have them all together and working as a cohesive unit and on all cylinders, it was nothing short of an all-star team. And with Chris Michelson and Jessica Hopkins and the the, the entire coaching staff behind them, it was, uh, you know, not to hold anything against Austin or L.A., but I don't know which team I would pick to be replaced by Seattle, but I would rather see Seattle and Mexico City representing the league. That's true. You're right. I agree. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, if we get round two in Mexico City of what we got in, in Ontario, then it's okay. And then that'll be a great spectacle. Right. But if we get, you know, the L.A. team that was in Seattle against Austin, we could see the same result that we saw in Legends Cup. Yeah, well, and it, I think if we got that, it would leave, uh, you know, after the last time they were in Mexico for an all-fantasy game, I think this would, you know, if, if we get that L.A. team that we had in Seattle, I think it would put a a nice little – black mark on on the league in terms of the the appeal to mexico yeah the fanfare for sure all right nate yep. um the league is over uh you guys are you're welcome to come in tuesdays and talk college football if you're inclined to do that nfl as well more than happy to have you on and then we'll start to you know try to chime in on lfl news uh, we still have one more game to kind of figure out which is the obviously the uh the November game, which is the All Star game in uh, in Mexico, so um, so you're welcome to come in and chime in on Tuesdays with us with the rest of the gang, uh, where we're talking NFL college and everything else in terms of women's American football. I will definitely keep you posted, and I appreciate the invite. I appreciate having become a part of this. Uh, what was it? You know, three four weeks ago, in, in the midst of the legend season when things were heading, heating up. Um, I can't tell you how grateful I was to get the, the request to come on here. I've always wanted to find a platform to share my knowledge, and uh, it's a blast. I love doing this, and I'm happy to happy to be a part of the team. Awesome. So uh, let me know next week if you're welcome to come in. We'll, we can talk, uh, you know, Pac-10. We can talk West Coast college football. We can also talk Seahawks and stuff like that. So nice perspective. Um, you got myself, Ram fan. You got Holly, Niner fan. You got yourself, Seattle fan. Louise Bean, Cowboys, McKenzie's Cowboys, Troy when he gets back as Redskins. So we can all chime in pretty much NFL around the, you know, around the uh, roundup. So if you're inclined, Tuesdays, uh, you're invited. That sounds like a blast. I will keep you posted. All right, Nate, thank you very much. Thank you for everything uh, that you did this uh, last four weeks covering the Legends playoffs and obviously the final here. Looking forward to seeing the final next week on YouTube and see uh checking out uh Stevie Snore, Jade Randall and everybody on the mist doing their thing obviously uh so that'll be on the LFL YouTube channel so we'll be, we'll check it out this coming uh, I believe this next weekend so we'll check it out uh, as soon as it goes live on the LFL channel so thanks again have a great night thank you you too Oscar
All right, guys, that was uh, Nate Ward, our LFL Insider. Uh, Legends Football League Cup, Legends Cup, happened at the Shower Center this past weekend. The results, Seattle Miss, uh, three-time champions, and you get to see that on Legends Football League YouTube channel this coming Saturday. So thanks to uh, Luis Bean to chime in here for College Football NFL, and obviously for Lynn uh, Liberty Ellington coming in here to give us the scoop of what's going to be happening in the WFA 2020 season. Uh, kind of what's come upcoming as well. So we'll look forward to that as well. So 290 almost in the books here. Uh, we just got to dive into the international game. If you don't know what's going on, you want to know what's going on, and you need to know what's going on, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Get everything, all the lowdown, everything gridiron Australia, gridiron Czechoslovakia. You're going to get all the lowdown of what's happening in the national game, including Brazil in action right now. And we'll get forward on terms of what's happening in the scope in Germany. Germany, the playoffs coming up here, the finals and the semifinals will be on the will be keep you up to date on all that as we're coming in. So Germany, Brazil, Czechoslovakia, you got the uh, whole swing here in terms of Gridiron Australia as well. So let's dive into Gridiron uh, Australia and let's go to Queensland right now, week four, September seventh, and the Thunder just keep on rolling here. So 14 to zero against the Raptors. Thanks to the Raptors for improvement. I want to give a shout out to the Morton Raptors. What an impressive outing for them, allowing only 14 points to the Thunder. The Thunder has really played well since week one. They fell down and then all of a sudden they kind of rebound. So uh, hats off to the Thunders out there, uh, men are yours and in company. They're doing a great job here. 14 to zero. They pick up the second win of the season. Then Stingrays uh, coming off that. Uh, win, uh, win uh, from the first week. Now going to the second second week, they lost to the Thunder, and at this point, it was against the champs, the Ravens. Ravens coming in here with good good feelings here, and they get edged by eight points. Stingrays, uh, Lauren Evans, our Nordic football athlete, as well as Christy Moran out there competing against each other, and 28 to 20, the Stingrays take care of business. They rebound in Gridiron uh, Queensland. We'll keep tabs on that. Touchdown photography should be capturing some moments there. We'll also figure out if the live Brisbane was, we had coverage at this point. Uh, we'll get you updated on that. But overall, uh, week four, September 7th in Gridiron, Queensland, Stingrays 28-20 over the Ravens, Thunder 14-0 over the Raptors. We go to uh, New South Wales now, uh, and it's coming up here, Nipun Ducks. They defeated UTS 36-14. The Central West Giants, uh, they fall to the UNSW Raiders, 34-0. Uh, North Sydney Rebels take care of business, 22-12 against the Central Coast Sharks. So we'll keep you updated on New South Wales as well. And then we got uh, Brno Amazons kicking off their season in uh, Czechoslovakia, including the uh, debut of the Warsaw Sirens from Poland. And then Brazil, we'll recap the Brazilian uh, final, um, final weeks here. As we're coming into almost to the playoffs in about two or three weeks here. So we'll keep tabs on Liga BFA in Brazil. And we can look forward to coming up here. It's going to be the Ladies Bowl, and that's going to be uh, in Germany. We'll keep tabs on that. Ladies Bowl uh, coming up here in, I believe, September 21st, if I'm correct. Yeah, September 21st, AFBD Ladies Football. September 21st, uh, the Berlin Cobras uh, wait for their opponent at this point, and we'll figure out who it is. This coming week, uh, we also have LFL Mexico event, uh, Austin versus LA. That's what Nate was talking about. 
and that's on November 16, 2019. International Women's uh, Honduras Cup will happen in March 12th through the 17th, 2020, as well as we're going to be getting um, the uh, inter- information for the transatlantic in September of 2020. So a lot of international news and notes. Uh, if you want to participate on a team for the upcoming 2020, 2020 season, you go to WNFCFootball.com. Uh, get the details there on all the teams nationwide. You go to WFAProFootball.com as well. Check the links there. And all, in your team locally, you can participate in either of the top leagues, the WFA and the WNFC. You also, if you're in region on the East Coast, you go do it at USWSFLFootball.com as well, USWSFLFootball.com. And they're mostly in the regional area. So we'll keep tabs on the three major leagues happening here as well as we keep tabs on the international scene. So the place to be and you always want to be at is at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Check it out. Uh, check out our No Joke Football brand uh, stuff at the Zazzle shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Check the uh, gear up, save up to 15% off, and just go buy some stuff from us. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you like the shirt, go get the shirt. It's a bold statement. No joke football. And that's what you play, and that's what your game is, and that's what the women's game is. The game is no joke football. Check it out. Order it. 15% off. Use Zazzle Thanks as your code. Zazzle Thanks as your code, and you get 15% off as well. So um, there's one offer that we have on the hub, and if you're an NFL junkie, and you want to play NFL week to week, and you want to make some money, you go to FanDuel, we'll give you 15 bucks. Go take the offer, 15 bucks at FanDuel account, open it up, terms apply, and check it out. And you can play week to week, win big money. You can play up to five cent plays, 25 cent plays, or big money plays. So go to the uh, FanDuel site and go right there to the hub, link it up, and get $15 on us. So for uh, the our guest today, uh, Lynn uh, Liberty Ellington of the WFA Dallas Elite. Thanks for her for coming in. Thanks for Louise Bean for chiming in on the NFL as, as well. Nate Ward showing up here as well. So we'll uh, be back here for 291, and hopefully we'll get all the whole gang back tomorrow uh, on next Tuesday and figure out uh, what's going on in week three of the NFL. We'll get a week four in college football, plus the international news and notes from the women's game. So for uh, Oscar Lopez and for the rest of the crew, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure to share our podcast. And don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Have a great night, everybody.